1: When Raw ends, when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind A Raw with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV, it's Rewind A Raw, from Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post-wrestling site, it's Rewind A Raw, for Monday night, on USA, now on the John and Wade, Take the mic. Hello everybody and welcome to Rewind A Raw, I am John Pollock alongside... Wei Tang. Wei, how are you?
0: Oh shit, man. Terrible.
1: So I, I had the bad week last week. But this week it looks like uh it is, the ball is in your court because for the first time in a long time, we are doing a taped version and I can't see you. I'm so used to seeing you right in
0: front of me, and tonight I can only hear you. Just like old times, I guess, eh? Yeah. Just- Just you and I, nobody else in the Zoom room. There is no Zoom room. We're on Skype. Back on Skype. No. No, we're not on stick cam. We're not on
1: Zoom. We're not on anything. We're just... You sound ten years years younger. Uh,
0: You you sound the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I've had uh, just a hell of a day dealing with a bunch of shit, but primarily as it relates to this, it's... uh, Well, it started last night, and I was like... So we were doing the New Japan show, the dome show. And uh, you know, it's a bit of a long show and I've gotten into the habit of just fidgeting, you know, just to kind of keep my my attention, keep my mind awake. So, you know, as many people know, I have like a big kind of stash of just like random Lego pieces around. So, I'm just fidgeting with these Lego pieces. It's a 5-hour show. So I get done with the show. All right, time to close the laptop and go to my desk to record with John. And wouldn't you know it, a little gray Technic piece is lodged between my screen and the keyboard. Oh, no. And so me shutting the screen basically cracked the screen. And I uh, knew exactly what happened the moment I did it and I heard the crack. And basically, you know, it divides my, my screen right now into half with like a, a big border of black and rainbow-colored striping throughout the middle. And so I did the show with you yesterday like this. So I just, like, I've gotten to the habit now of, like, you know, having, like, oh, this, like, thick partition between my screen. And it was fine because I was, like, whatever. Like, I can make do with it tonight. Um, I thought I, I would have been fine, t- you know, for Raw as well. But then the screen just, like, earlier in the day just completely shut down. And... When there's no screen, there's no computer. So um, I, you know, had to cancel the Zoom. No video, obviously. And, you know, beyond that, I, I went to the store today to have it looked at. And they basically quoted me <laughs> this fix. $950, John. Ooh. It's, it's, man, it's the fucking issue with these Macs they make everything so fucking tight and just like in one piece all to chase thinness and maybe just to kind of chase these repair dollars too. But like um, basically you, there's no re- replacing just a piece of glass or anything. You have to replace the whole top of the thing. Similar, similar to like, you know, I've had to replace like an issue with a keyboard. They just replace the whole damn thing, the whole bottom piece with like the, the motherboard and all that stuff. So um, that's no different here. And before people get on me for, you know, saying, oh, why don't you, don't you have Apple Care? You're professional. I do have Apple Care. I do have the extended warranty. In fact, I'm still like maybe a month away from my three-year warranty expiring. But because the version of Apple Care that was offered to me at the time, because that didn't cover um, screen damage, I'm basically shit out of luck. So I spent the better part of an hour today on the phone with Apple trying to see if I can get retroactively upgraded to their new Apple Care. Um, which is what the person at the store actually recommended that I do. And, uh, after this, you know, I guess a lot of, um, our research by that person on the phone, wherever they are based, they basically said the answer is no. So I now have to pay full price. I don't even know if I should do that. Cause it's like, is it worth it at, at that point? You know, like a thousand bucks. I can do a lot with a thousand dollars, you know, that's a, uh, that's a
1: tough choice. That's uh, you're really staring at, um, a dilemma.
0: Yeah, man. Like, feel like I can um, I can buy plane tickets, man. I can fly fly to RAW, you know, and do the show from there.
1: You you could do that for one week. Um, and yeah, then you're, I know. you're Are you going to go to Chicago next week?
0: No. no, no, I'm not going anywhere. So anyway, that's a conversation you and I will probably have uh, off air about what to do after this but anyway it's uh yeah it's been it's been kind of shitty so you know what it's of to we got to get this bad mojo out of the post-wrestling office man
1: i'm hoping this is on? it i'm hoping i'm hoping both of us have, have had our uh our home and work issues um eliminated after after this terrible month of july for us but things are going to turn around way um don't worry We we will get through this and all will be well with the world because, you know, the, the Zoom room demands you. Me, they could do without, but you, you are the life of that place. So we got to get you back in front of all the people.
0: It's Hansi, let's be honest.
1: I, you know? uh, listen, I, l- I log in and without fail, Hansi is in the middle of um, his own broadcast. I think he's just, he's taken over that pre show. He's, he dominates it.
0: It's, it's sort of his space. Yeah.
1: Well, uh can't make too much chit chat because we have a lot to go through uh, tonight, but uh, it's a pretty big week here at the site, and not because it's like a gigantic week of events, it's just turned out this way that we have like quite a bit of stuff going on. So um, I'm going to kind of split up the plugs because I know that uh, everyone is not exactly at the edge of their seat as we just uh, promote, 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 but we are going to let people know uh, coming up in the next few days uh, some great stuff, including Rewind Away number 91 that drops Tuesday evening for post-wrestling cafe members, the rock versus John Cena once in a year.
0: Um, once in a year, twice in a lifetime, whatever you want to call it.
1: That will be our focus. We are going to go deep into April of 2012. All the news surrounding that particular WrestleMania featuring uh, that main event, the, Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels as the referee. CM Punk versus Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus, and the big one, Team Johnny versus Team Teddy.
0: Oh yes, yes. Why didn't that make a it?
1: Um, it it was probably a coin toss at the end of it. Um, I mean, this was for control of Raw and SmackDown. That was at the line uh, on the line, so heavy stakes for um, and and Bella's. Opposing one another on Team Johnny and Team Teddy, which little did they know that they would both end up being Team Johnny in life.
0: True, yeah, their new their father-in-law now, or their their stepfather.
1: Stepfather, yeah. So anyway, that's that's coming up. We'll also have a deep breakdown of Machine Gun Kelly's performance, um, Skyler Gray, Florida. Yeah. We got a lot of live entertainment on this event from Miami.
0: Oh, if you like music, you're going to love WrestleMania 28. The best music has to offer.
1: Yes. Maybe we will even uh, dive into my interview I conducted uh, after that event with Machine Gun Kelly, where he told us about his his time at
0: WrestleMania. I forgot you did that.
1: I did, too, until Ah. I watched this. And then I remembered, I was like, wait a minute, I have talked to this guy before, and I talked to him about this very event, and I did find the video of it.
0: Wow, amazing. All right. So Tuesday,
1: we've also got up next with our birthday boy, Braden Harrington. He is 30 today.
0: Man, yes. I didn't even, you know, happy birthday, Braden! I forgot to, to message you today. So happy 11.
1: birthday. 11.29 p.m. I, I, th- I wished him a happy birthday in my update, so I thought that, that counted. Yeah, I would say so. I didn't text him. I feel kind of bad, but I'm noting it now. So happy happy 30th birthday. Uh, Braden doesn't listen to this show, but Davey does, and he'll pass it along to Braden. And then Andrew Thompson is going to have an interview with Mr. Hughes on Tuesday. I'm very excited about this. I think this is going to be great. Um, most people will remember Mr. Hughes for some of his, uh, a bit of his wrestling career. But this guy, he's had quite the career as a trainer. Like he has had his hand in training um, a, a lot of a lot of people that have uh, got into the industry, so I'm sure that will be a a great discussion uh, that the one and only Andrew Thompson has on Tuesday. And then uh, quickly, we've got all of our regular shows coming out the rest of the week, uh, but also we've got on Thursday live edition of the Wellness Policy as well as a Bellator 263 preview show that myself, Phil, and Eric will be doing. And Bush B. and Thompson's Wrestling Adventures. So that's just the next couple of days. We've got Brandon Thurston. We've got a Bellator post show on Saturday. Long and winding Royal Road. It's a pack packed week at post Wrestle.
0: Yeah, and you might be handling the majority of all of that. I if, might be. Uh, my, my machine doesn't come back in time. So, yeah.
1: So Everybody um, everybody, hope for the best with, uh, with Wei Ting. But we will, we will power through. Uh, Let's get into uh, some of the news. And this is just breaking as we started this show. Um, I guess Mas Lucha had um, confirmed the passing here. And this uh, is coming from a Lucha blog uh, that Brazo de Plata, Jose Luis Alvarado Nieves, has passed away. And he was 58, of course, famously known as Super Porky. Uh, not just in Mexico but also had that stint in the WWE in 2006 as kind of like the comedic portion of their juniors division um, that you know was at first pitched to be like um, you know featuring like all this high-flying independent talent that would be brought in and then it kind of turned into this comedy division with Super Porky as a portion of that but of course Super Porky from the famous Alvarado family that, I mean, it just extends uh, so deep, um, you know, with, uh, I mean, you could just La Mascara, Maximo, Psycho Clown. I mean, you can just go through them all. So a very, very famous family in Mexico. And again, this news is just coming down um, as of about 10 minutes ago. So we will have uh, much more on the passing of Brazo de Plata on the site on Tuesday. So rest in peace uh, to Brazo de Plata. On Monday, we had, oh, I also want to make note as well, uh, condolences to the family of, uh, Brian Blair, uh, his son, Brett Blair, uh, was killed over the weekend at the age of 29, uh, this was first mentioned by Steve Kern at the gathering on Friday, and then there was a story up on Slam Wrestling about it, very few details involved, he was only 29 years of age, um, about the circumstances, what occurred, but, uh, just an awful story, um, He had just been arrested a few months ago, and again, no real details are out, but hopefully we will know more about that, but that's just um, a, a terrible, terrible story for the entire Blair family to be going through, and that was something we wanted to mention off the top here. Moving on to this story that was, I had to read this several times away, because at first I thought, this can't be real, but it is, WWE and Blumhouse are developing a scripted series, the United States of America versus Vince McMahon, which will be a scripted series around the 1994 steroid distribution trial, where Vince McMahon, who was the defendant in this case, will be having an executive producer credit as this trial is uh, presented on the small screen. From the description... The show will delve into WWE during the 90s. At the time, Rupert Murdoch had purchased the New York Post to further his massive infiltration into the U.S. media landscape. For years, infamous post writer Phil Mushnick regularly hammered WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon in his column. Headlines like, Legislators give WWE a free pass on roids and McMahon skips through the cemetery – eventually captured the attention of the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, which was actually the Eastern District, the nation's most prestigious federal prosecutor's office with a conviction rate of over 96%. In 1994, the U.S. government indicted McMahon for allegedly supplying anabolic steroids to WWE talent. McMahon, with his liberty at stake, two school-aged children at home, and with WWE on the brink of bankruptcy, refused to take a plea deal. Ultimately, McMahon stood trial and was acquitted unanimously by a jury of his peers and went on to build a multi-billion dollar global sports entertainment empire.
0: Mm -hmm. Doesn't that get get you excited for this underdog story?
1: (laughs) Dude, There is if you you go to our site today and click on the story uh, covering this, I included a clip of Vince McMahon going on WWF television in the mid nineties and just like you would have got whiplash watching this episode where all of a sudden Vince McMahon is in the studio and just goes to town on Phil Mushnick and all of this that you would have no idea. But if you want just, that might as well be the unofficial trailer for this series is that clip, uh, that exists. Uh, there's a part of me way that's like, I know we are far from this in the, in the world, but just the idea that somebody can ascend to such a level that you can <laughs> create a television series from your perspective of this historical event that, I mean, I don't have – this thing is just going to be a circus, this this show. And maybe that is um, – what the audience is going to – a huge amount of the audience will just eat up and, and love this because Vince McMahon is just this – compelling figure clearly this is a sign that to the television industry like from the Bill Simmons series that's in development for Netflix and you know this here like to the television industry Vince McMahon is the the character that they want the most when they're in business with WWE like I am sure the WWE is commanding a great licensing fee um, there's no sign of when this is going to be shot where it is going to air like I assume it's still being uh, shopped around but this is i i'm very interested to see how this project evolves because it's one of those that i am very surprised that the wwe is i i am and i'm not that they are going to create a series out of this particular story
0: yeah i mean vince you know to this to this day to me still remains as perhaps the most interesting significant figure in professional wrestling and uh, it seems like, you know, this next few years, he's really taken a bigger step into, I think, allowing his his likeness to be um, maybe immortalized outside of the professional wrestling industry. And, <laughs> you know, uh, a like th- this is
1: going to be presented as like um, uh, this is going to be a martyrdom of Vince McMahon in this like Vince McMahon versus the government. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sure, you know, like the People versus Larry Flint, whatever. It's going to, you know, it's 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 going to be a piece of, um, I don't know, cinema to to try to, uh, create, further bolster the the legend of Vince Man to the masses, and I look forward to it strictly from an entertainment standpoint. I look forward just as much to some of the wraparound coverage coming out of the series itself from people such as yourself, from historians, you know, such as Dave or. Whoever is out there at the time able to perhaps fact check a lot of that stuff because, you know, the, the, this perhaps... will,
1: like it's, it's a great point way like it will shed a lot of light on, you know, it's a story that I'm sure a, a fan base a generation removed from 94 and the whole lead up and the roots of how this whole um, steroid distribution case was formulated in the early 90s like there's a lot of fans that i'm sure do not know all those intricate details and i hope that it it, listen it's not going to be the mass audience that goes and seeks this out, but there's a lot of great coverage of this. I mean Wade Keller did phenomenal coverage of the trial there like there's the observer from the time. The lapsed fan did like a really great series on this as well. David Bixenspan has done tremendous reporting on it like you this is a time where you can go and find a lot of this information like when w w e is going to put out a series like this like you can. Investigate yourself, and there's there's a lot of great resources out there that I do hope and encourage people to go seek out. and And probably there will be more learned uh, over this period, uh, presuming that this series uh, makes it to the finish line and, and such. Like there is, uh, you you read this, and it certainly seems like this is a very ambitious series on the WWE's behalf here, but also one that uh, we'll see, like where where it lands and. It's just an interesting tact for the WWE to take, choosing this kind of a story, and of course doing it in in their 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 vision.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a juicy story that I think you know entices yep. maybe casual viewers to take a look. Oh, wrestling steroids, okay. Let me let me. You know that that there's a connection there to to people's heads beyond perhaps you know like I don't know Vince going after the the territories that might only appeal to a smaller section of of the audience such as us. I'm um, I, I, I'm interested. I, I I again it's it's important to remind ourselves anytime we get one of these sort of serialized types of things, uh you know reenactments I suppose you can call them like they are they aren't to be taken as much beyond entertainment. Um, and to always, you know, be mindful that the the number one goal of these things is to elicit ratings, and and it's to elicit a story, and it's to elicit attention. There are no substitute for, you know, journalism or, um, I don't know, history books. If there are history books written about these things, so, um,
1: that's, that's it's just... a really fascinating way. Like this will be a very anti-journalistic slant, just the way that this is worded here. And just from the description about like Rupert Murdoch buying the New York Post to further his massive infiltration, it's like this is the McMahon family that is in business with the Murdoch family through Fox. It's like a Hmm. very like there's some very interesting dynamics um, to all of this, Um, but also one that I mean, this is a trend that has just magnified over the years that to get these high profile semi-biographical features it involves the subject being on board and whether it's the last dance whether it's the tom brady documentary it's like the figure has you know if you want my involvement then i get a hand in the finished product it's like that is the power that a lot of these individuals have and they have the ability to um finance their own stories and that's sort of like a trend that we're seeing across all forms of media
0: in any case i i think it'll continue to be like another great maybe slice of vince mcmahon's psyche that we can use to perhaps learn a little bit more about the person uh and well who knows maybe like maybe the maybe vince will have a change of heart and be like you can do whatever you guys want (laughs) criticize me all you want like i'm not gonna have any say in the edit uh
1: you know, yeah, we, it could be, yeah, it we, could we've be known very, Vince to be very hands off in this, <laughs> this era of his uh, career.
0: Well, I'm just saying, you know, there is going to be that scrutiny. I have to think, you know, for, for all of these pieces that are out there because you know, Vince is an a plus bullshitter and, um, you know, it's certainly like the Bill Simmons documentary, I think will have that far more so than maybe something like this. That's dramatized. Um, but even this, I'm sure like if people notice a completely egregious act of fiction, um, it'll be called out
1: it it will be yeah um like the netflix series i find a bit more intriguing just because i mean regardless of like it's just it's it's Vince man on camera and i think that you know regardless of what he says or doesn't say there's a lot more to just read into it whatever makes it to the the final cut and i'm just I have kind of more an interest in this, whereas this series, I just think it's going to be, um, I mean, God knows what this thing is going to be. It's going to be like multi episodes. And I mean, I I I don't know what
0: to expect. Who plays Vince? That's the number one question.
1: That's, it's an amazing question. There's a lot of people like, how do you cast Jerry McDivitt? How do you cast uh, some of these, these characters
0: that were Hogan?
1: Like, yeah, all the wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, we still have that Hulk Hogan um, movie that's in development that, 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 that Hogan's involved with of course yeah. um, so it's there's the non-WWE involvement but there's the Vince McMahon book um, there's an oral history of WWE that's been in development for years at this point and that did have WWE cooperation like it's all these different things but I, I look at something specific to this and I'd be very curious like is this a direct uh, kind of Nick Khan I- involvement and just looking at here is Vince McMahon. He is our most compelling figure to that world, and we are going to, you know, license out as many projects as we can with these d- different outlets, whether it's Netflix, whether it's this, whether it's with Bloomhouse, whether it is with, you know, just across the board of, it just seems like Vince McMahon, who has been this very, I, I would say, secluded individual Outside of the the wrestling world for years at this point, like you do not see him doing any media anymore. He his only public window is those quarterly investors calls, which uh, I'm sure this will be brought up on on Thursday's call, like this
0: being one of their projects that they're announcing. Mm-hmm. And in those calls, you I mean you, some these days you don't even get that much of him, and if you do, it's it's rarely anything. You know, it's
1: like, a lot of Nick Khan and mm-hmm. Christina Salen. Like they do a lot of the heavy lifting on on those calls and and answering them. And they're both very good on those calls, but you're right. Vince McMahon is like introduction and maybe he'll pipe in every now and then, but he is not commanding that call.
0: And certainly nothing about his own personal life. So, you know, my, my question is, you know, with all these things coming out and presumably if these shows become hits, does, does it make Vince a bigger household name beyond the professional wrestling realm And what do you think that ultimately turns into for Vince? What would, what would, what would Vince be inspired to do? I mean, look at what he did coming off that XFL, you know, documentary. Um, What would, what would maybe a greater level of mainstream fame do for Vince McMahon, the individual.
1: You see with Vince, like his last, I would say big public spotlight was the debacle of the XFL falling apart last year. And he came off very poorly in how that whole thing fell apart but even that's
0: real i would say pretty niche to like the sport if you follow sports like you might you might have caught wind of that this is to like you know like a netflix crowd
1: it is but again like look at all the things netflix develops and what breaks through like like there's only like a tiger king is pretty rare of like that that series that just crosses all these, Oh, the the last dance did again last year as well. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's certainly a fascination with Vince McMahon that reaches beyond. Like if you are someone that has not watched wrestling in 25 years, there's probably still an interest in a Vince McMahon figure because it crosses so many generations that you're going to have that initial interest of people to at least sample it. But again, it's cutting through all of that. um, uh, Like, cutting through the Netflix algorithm that it becomes whatever consists of water cooler talk in 2021, 22, whenever this series comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends if the series is good, but I, I knowing the wrestling audience and knowing how much like even surprises me sometimes about how much actually breaks through the mainstream, how much, you know, uh, breaks through the Twitter verse. I, I feel like it, it'll just based on curiosity alone, do really well
1: i I brought this up before but uh more so with like the bill simmons series when they are ready to launch that like i would think they have to send vince out to do media Mm -hmm. for that and probably like they'll be selective with how much i don't imagine him doing like the undertaker did where he my god he was on everything to the point that it was laughable how much media this guy was doing but like i i think vince mcmahon that's going to be the rare time that they do have him go out and do the media run
0: No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We'll learn a lot more about Vince than we probably ever have in the next year or two.
1: Uh, Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men podcast reported on Monday that the WWE is planning for a return to Saudi Arabia, barring any restrictions. And uh, Andrew reported that the date he had heard was October 21st, uh, but he hadn't got a, a double confirmation on that date. Um, A source I spoke with at WWE said that date was accurate. So it looks like that is internally uh, the date they are working around. So it looks like a return to Saudi Arabia pending any um, world issues that would prevent them uh, from going. Uh, They have not been there since February of last year. And as they've mentioned, uh, any shows lost are going to end up getting tacked on to the end of this 10 year deal. With the General Sports Authority of Saudi Arabia. So they only got in one show last year. At most, they'll get one show this year. So that leaves two shows, which, I mean, unless they do more than two a year, would add on a year at the end of this deal.
0: Sure. Yeah. Same day as the G1 end.
1: Is it really? I didn't even realize that. It's on a Thursday as well. So that is going to bring up the obvious question, too, about, um, making sure your talent is back for SmackDown the next night.
0: Oh, I have to think they either pre tape SmackDown like, or just have a sub- completely separate crew. Like I would think more, more likely taping, but c- Cause like, yeah, do you want to number one? That's a lot of travel for your talent to put them through. And secondly, who knows? You have the precedent.
1: Have. Like you, you have to go in, like we've said this before, you have to go into this knowing there is that possibility of something happening.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt so um
1: and and i'd also be curious way like this mm -hmm. time around like god forbid there was another issue and your talent couldn't get back in time it's not like nxt to me would be Vince McMahon's first nope decision like (laughs) nxt is going to finish fill up our show like nxt is viewed very differently than it was two years ago
0: yeah and back then i mean you had the story going into survivor series it made sense for a main roster show to feature nxt guys now, it makes makes absolutely no sense. You know, you might as well air Tool 5 Live in place of... of... God, I had no
1: idea the G1... Dude, like, this is going to be an early show from WWE, and it's pretty much going to be the G1 is going to bleed right into this. Like, you're going to have, like, a few hours... Th- like, the G1 will probably go till 7, 8 in the morning, and then this will start
0: around 11 or something. Well, what a great pairing, everybody. Look. Wow. Thursday, take the day off work. You can watch uh, professional wrestling from a... We'll see what sort of roster New Japan has by that point in the G1 final. And then you can go to Saudi Arabia. We'll be traveling the world right from our seats at home.
1: Jeff Hardy was off of Raw tonight. And this came after he was supposed to do a special appearance at the Record Bar in Kansas City. Uh, but the... um. The Record Bar put out this statement over the weekend that they found out Sunday, stating Jeff Hardy had tested positive for COVID and will have to quarantine for the next two weeks and will not be participating in any live events for the next two weeks. Uh, Both PW Insider and the Wrestling Observer confirmed this uh, positive test for Jeff Hardy. He was nowhere to be seen on Raw tonight. Um, However, it was... I would say not shocking, but at least semi interesting that carrying cross who had a match mm-hmm. with Jeff Hardy last week was present on the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what sort of the protocol is anymore, but uh, I would assume that they've, you know, they were cautious with carrying cross and probably I would hope that, you know, had him take tests and whatnot to ensure that he was fine. Um, unfortunate news of course. And we hope of course, uh, Jeff, is healthy and can make a speedy recovery
1: john cena has been added to the smackdown at madison square garden september 10th this is the loaded up smackdown that will feature raw talent and cena when they put the schedule out the last date listed was SummerSlam, so this is several weeks after the fact he has been their biggest mover when it comes to uh, tickets since he has been added to these live events uh, Russell ticks noting currently that the Madison Square Garden show it's scaled for 9651 approximately which is like half the building so that they have set up they've sold or at least the tickets that are out is listed at around 8600 8, or so so they are clearly just putting all everything into this show and I think obviously you have to look at this mini, a battle of New York that is going on in that month. And WWE is putting all of their eggs into this basket for this MSG show.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a, I mean, I just, I, I think it's refreshing to see WWE at least build up to a special edition of one of their TVs. Um, it's something I feel they should do more often just to kind of give me some anticipation for an upcoming show rather than just being another edition of a raw or a SmackDown.
1: And a few more things here. Um, we have the the SmackDown ratings notes um, that Brandon Thurston reported: two million one hundred thirty-seven thousand and seven hundred nine thousand in the demo, so they were down a bit from the week prior, which was the first week in front of fans, but still their second best numbers since May the 7th. They did a very good number in Canada. And in Canada, not only were they going against the Olympics, which the U S faced, but there was the NHL draft. There was a blue Jays game with the New York Mets and SmackDown did its best number in Canada since June 11th with uh, almost 214,000 viewers. So it was an impressive number for SmackDown and up from the week prior, which was the first week in front of fans. So a good sign there. New Japan news. Very quickly here. They have announced um, for this Sunday, uh, we've got four Cork and Hall dates this week, including Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you can make a week out of Corkin Hall. Maybe you can just, you know, bring a tent and live there for the week. That's what New Japan's doing. And Sunday is the big show with a never six-man championship match with Ishii Goto and Yoshihashi defending against Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. And the farewell matches for Young Lions... Yota Tsuji and Yuya Yuimura. Suji will take on Tetsuya Naito and Yuimura takes on Okada, which should be a tremendous match. And then the Young Lions uh, will set out onto their journey. Do we know where? We do not know
0: where. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm sure. I, w- be, I
1: nice. wonder what the options are. Uh, like yeah. they could go to the U.S. It's not yeah. like, like getting into the U.S. is not a problem. It's getting back. So it very well. I mean, it, it could be coming to the U.S.
0: Hmm. Okay, I mean, interesting.
1: Uh and then they'll we,
0: come back with like colored hair? Please, please And let's uh, hope. with a martial arts background of some sort. They'll have they'll earn their mastership somewhere.
1: Yeah, this is this is the very difficult bridge from a tremendous foundational talent and then they have to come back and they go through like the teenage angst years of wrestler development that is um, the young lions' excursions that have produced classics such as Master Wato and the Great Okan. Uh, the Super Junior Tag League is going to run August seventh to seventeenth. One of these teams does not sound like like the other, and you can pick it out for me. The teams are Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, Rapongi Three K, who have won the last two, Taguchi and Master Wato, Desperado and Kanamaru, Taiji Shimori and El Fantasmo, and the Junior Heavyweight Sensations Ghetto and Dick Togo.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they are legends. It's like, we need five junior heavyweight tag teams. We don't have five. We've got four. <laughs> well, we need five. What are we going to do? <laughs> hey,
0: we're talking about a J-Cup winner in Cato. Right? Okay. Um, w- Went to went to the finals. Oh, he didn't win?
1: Um, That he's was... Good. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, good enough. Still. Okay? he's uh, I, They need people right now.
1: Well, um... That, that's what they're going to get. It was...
0: Uh, oh, Liger one. Liger one that year.
1: Was that 95? Yeah. Right. Um, then we go on to the Dome Show uh, at MetLife Stadium on September the 5th, which will feature Shingo Takagi against Evil, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi against Naito and Sonata, and Goto and Yoshihashi in a three-way, plus Robbie Eagles versus Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, so we don't have any matches for September 4th, but September 5th, three title matches, including Evil uh, challenging for the title. So um, nothing involving Okada, and also no announcement about Kota Bushi, who I guess is the biggest question mark now. And I don't even know if New Japan can necessarily plan what's going on with Kota Bushi until he's got a clean bill of health.
0: Yeah, that's really too bad. You know, I would thought I would think for sure. I, I'm sure they're targeting one of the the domes, the other dome date. Or the is it the MetLife Dome?
1: MetLife Dome, correct. Yeah,
0: I'm assuming you know they're probably holding out for that. But I, I just hope he's healthy, man. It sounds like too. It's serious.
1: It's it was pretty significant missing the Tokyo Dome. So I mean, I'm glad they they didn't rush him back just because mm-hmm. we've got this date to fill. Um, and now, like, really, like all this other stuff is secondary. It's like you're yep. dealing with like aspiration pneumonia, and like from what. I've asked about it's it's something that you just have to wait it wait it out essentially like it's Mm -hmm. it's patience like that's it like there's not there's not like a quick fix for something like that so they they should not be rushing him and honestly like this month is it's cork and hall dates and a few other cities like it's it's not anything giant until those MetLife dome shows so you you don't have this this crunch to like get him back like he can rest he it's not going to be make or break for him to miss 13 cork and Hall dates over the next month, which is not an exaggeration of the numbers.
0: Stay home and watch the Olympics. A per- I watched a bit of the Olympics. I was watching some of the weightlifting over Ooh, the weekend. We, we had a, our first Canadian uh, women's judo win. Oh, judo really? Medalists. I yeah. haven't
1: watched any of the judo. I had meant to on the weekend, but I yeah. did not see any of the judo.
0: Well, I read good. that she was actually a favorite to actually win gold. So She, she won what, bronze? She won bronze yeah, so a okay. little bit of a bittersweet like she she kind of got upset but she won the bronze medal match, so anyway, but still go- good news
1: are you gonna watch the woodstock documentary
0: yeah i I've heard about I've heard people talk about that you told me about that
1: yeah I did i, w- I wanna I wanna chat about it at some point
0: okay i'll I'll try to watch whenever it whenever you get around to it
1: yeah I asked a mutual friend of ours about it uh who's', who's a musician
0: okay was like me. yeah was his yeah, name Damien abraham
1: it, it might be but uh no response. I guess. I guess his phone must be uh, out of order or something. And then he's got no signal. Hmm. It's, it's been like uh, hours. Oh, you know what? He's actually out of town. Oh, you know what? I knew he's that. Torn. Yeah, You're right. His phone might be off. You're right. If she's somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Last thing here. NXT Tuesday night. It's the taped show that's airing on Sci-Fi. Uh We won't. uh The spoilers are on the on the site, but just non-spoiler match listings here. Uh, we have Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa against Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan. Uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Josh Briggs in the breakout tournament. Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea against Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel against Hit Row and the main event between Bronson Reed and Adam Cole. And then fight for the Fallen Wednesday night, Jericho and Nick Gage, no DQ. Santana and Ortiz against FTR. Christian Cage, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against Angelico and Private Party. And then... Lance Archer against Leo for the U.S. title. Tony Khan making a new live event announcement. And the big five-on-five elimination match between the Elite and Hangman Page with the Dark Order.
0: Mm-hmm. And just one more quick plug. You mentioned Nick Gage, of course. Last night, we, John and I recorded a Tokyo Dome Russell Grand Slam post-show on our Patreon. But we definitely started off the show talking about perhaps the most interesting match of the weekend. And that was of course, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. We spent a a good, like half the show pretty much talking about it because there's, there's so much, you know, to do with it, including not just the match itself, but of course some of the controversy surrounding, um, the, the fan participation, shall we say at the end. So you can go to our Patreon and check that out.
1: It was a big weekend for game changer and Matt Cardona, um, just listen to his interview today on busted open. Like you can see where the direction is of like, I'm here to clean up game changer, take them to the next level. Like I think Cardona's really going to excel in this, in this story.
0: Completely. He says he's done with death match wrestling though. And can you be GCW champion and be done with death? Match I, wrestling? I, think,
1: I think that's the whole thing is that mm. you, you have to build up to that, like deny gauge the rematch and at some, like build it up so that that death match it's a big thing you build to. They're like you shouldn't be going to it for months.
0: He should institute like <laughs> just um the most WWE gimmicks that you can think of. Like, like if, if they symphony, if they do it well, if they do it well, a symphony of destruction match. I I think like you could build up twenty four seven. He should institute the twenty four seven GCW championship. <laughs>
1: That that could be an idea, but seriously, for WrestleMania weekend next year, like Game Changer could build up a huge match for Spring Break or for for whatever that weekend with Cardona defending it, and maybe that's where you peak for the next major, um, th- th- like a big match involving him.
0: Do you, do you think like an Impact will see like what Matt, Matt, the buzz Matt Cardona is getting like on the Underground and change his Impact character to reflect it more?
1: It's they should, like it's the best version of Mac Cardona, like that he's on had. Impact,
0: he's just like Zack Ryder. He's just yeah. like a guy. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. And it's not as effective a version of it. It's it's tough to kind of incorporate that into your your own kind of universe, but it's it's kind of strange to just go right back to the character if you're Impact. Like it's like this mm-hmm. guy this guy was like the buzz of the industry for the last twenty four hours, forty eight hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the buzz oh. of that hotel. I'm sure that he stayed at. Man, <laughs> trying to clean that shit up. Did you have you seen some of those? Oh, dude, his
1: arm is just like a mess. It looked like like the the oh, photo I used blood today. Everywhere. The, yeah. Um, one final thing I just want to plug is this video called "Daniel Bryan is a traitor," and it was put together by an individual at Corporate Kian on Twitter. Uh, this thing is eight minutes. And the premise is he went through the comments on a Daniel Bryan photo on Instagram of fans reacting to the news that he might be going to AEW. This (laughs) video is so funny. It was great. I tweeted it out. Uh, This guy did a tremendous job. This was just hysterical. So uh, check this out. I thought it was a very funny video.
0: Well, the comment section most places is pretty hilarious. Well, these do not disappoint did Raw
1: disappoint? We will find out. They were at the T-Mobile Center on Monday, Kansas City, Missouri. Starting off with Nikki Ash, who was all over the show, welcoming us to Raw. Chance of you deserved it, and she said she didn't have the confidence before, but she was scared to fail. So okay, have,
0: okay. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, John, because um, I was watching throughout the whole show, and I was like, wow, crowd is really into Nikki Ash. You know, like I was. Like, whatever they've been doing, it's been working. Like, last week was a big reaction coming off of the money in the bank cash. And this week, they were responding to her like she was a top baby face in the seat, you know, in the midst of like the Charlotte Rhea Ripley thing. They were taken to her as a main star. And then I just stopped and I thought, um, is this real? Am I living in reality? <laughs> Or are there still remnants of the Thunderdome here in some of these crowd reactions? And I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say, and I really don't want to kind of take anything away from, from uh, what is it, uh, Nikki Cross, If you know, because she, she, she's seemingly doing everything she's supposed to be doing, and um, if it's successful, I would hate to even bring this argument up. But I did put a Twitter poll up there, and we know how effective those are. Um, and I don't even know what this means. I don't even care to read the results, but I just wanted to ask you, John, do you, did you have any thoughts about whether or not there there was Canned noise for tonight's show
1: I I didn't like it was Certainly positive reactions she Had throughout the night I wouldn't Say like they were overwhelming So I, I mean it didn't Strike me but that's Not to say that I discount That either that they could be Playing playing w- with the audio um, I Um I didn't detect It but I don't discount it either
0: And if they are Is that you have any issue with it um i mean it's it's a lot less authentic
1: their argument would certainly be that it's like if if she is getting um negative reactions at the live events that that was out there um you know you listen to her getting these big reactions on tv the theory would be that it's going to educate the audience to react as such on at the live events so I think, like, that, listen, the WWE is going to use whatever forms of manipulation it is to get the desired reactions they want. And that's going to be something that they battle. And it comes down to, like, is this a character that is endearing to people? Or is it something that you are going to be fighting the audience over? I mean, it's it's going to be difficult if it's similar reactions every week. Like, personally, I think this... I think Nikki Ash is like a great, she's really likable. She's like, she's a very likable personality. It doesn't to me have the feeling of like this lacking any genuine um, babyface characteristics. Like, I think you have a positive in who is playing this. Like, if this were, I mean, pick someone else off the roster that it would be kind of a square peg in a round hole, I think you would. You would look at it as, like, this is just not working. She comes across to me very likable, but that might not be indicative to the masses that, at its core, it is... Like, honestly, it's a child's version of Hangman Page, and Hangman Page is, like, the adult version that is killing it, reaction-wise, at all of these AEW events.
0: Right, yeah. I just think it's so corny. Man, like... (laughs) she gives these speeches that are straight out of you know after school PBS specials not even after school P- during school PBS shows you know like for the really so really young crowd um and they're just so literal you know like she's like <laughs> um anyway I so and it, that again it's not to take anything away if it works it works it's just I, it, it makes my job a little bit harder to be able to tell whether or not something is working when i you you, you have kind of introduced that element of like fake audience reaction out there
1: well so. here's the thing like these audiences like we're, we're going to know in real time when these audiences are going to be giving feedback and like what what was the reaction to the live crowd and and sometimes that can be deceptive too that you know it, So often you'll hear like, oh, man, this person was so over in the building. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get a contradictory report of no, they weren't. It's like sometimes like if you're if you've ever been in a crowd, like it's very easy to get immersed in the section that you're in that might not be reflective of a different section. Like that happens a lot, a lot more than I think people give credit for. Like it's not always uniform responses. But I think just based on your sample size that you hear from reports at at house shows and even at at tvs like we'll know like what what the reactions are like for nikki and does it correspond with the reaction we're hearing on television like this is a company that is not shy when it comes to manipulating audience responses and that goes way beyond just the last year and a
0: half it's it's the tune of professional wrestling oh you can't sing slap this autotune filter onto it everybody can sing now uh, this person's not over. You slap this, you know, crowd machine on top of it, everybody's over. So it's incentive to go to these live shows, isn't it? See for yourself. Well, at least they, they did
1: they did all in their power tonight of effectively booking an underdog in that underdog role, as we will get to. Charlotte comes out, calls her a disgrace, Nikki can't go on the Today show, and said she only lost the title because Ripley added acted like a bratty teenager, attacking her, and I wasn't even standing when the match began. My belt was stolen. She wants a rematch at SummerSlam. Rhea Ripley comes out. She wants the title shot. Nikki says, you two have been champions. This division is ready for a metamorphosis. And Flair makes fun of her Super Marvel costume. Super Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pearson DeVille come out. It's a triple threat at SummerSlam on August 21st. Flair says she wants a rematch tonight with Nikki and they make that the main event. And this segment way kicked off the show and clocked in at 19 minutes. That long? Wow. Yeah. This is almost half of the new Japan Rambo.
0: This was as long as the shortest match on the new Japan show. Yeah. This, this was long, right? Uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we thought that Rhea and Charlotte were done. They're and never done. They found a way of doing it again, but now with, you know, an, another person added to the mix. So I think it's, you know, like, what does this mean for the Becky Lynch rumors, John?
1: I mean, the the I mean the talk has just been that, like, she is ready. And I mean, I obviously is not coming back on, on this side.
0: Yeah, obviously, she could still just make an apparent. And you know what? If I'm the WWE of all these cards that you, that you could play... Maybe you save a Becky Lynch first match back for after SummerSlam. Cause it's already it's looking to be a pretty stacked, you know, superstar level card.
1: It is. It's just the company has gotten so far away from that line of thinking. It seems to be like the big show. It's we throw everything at the wall for the big show. And Becky mm-hmm. being there in front of forty plus thousand people, uh, would be you know, you could do an appearance like God knows you want to have ideas coming out of SummerSlam. I don't think the show needs it. I think the only available slot would be if you're not going to do Bianca Belair with Sasha Banks of Becky popping up on SmackDown. And that's that's a big match with Bianca and Becky. That's it, that would be the only spot for her. I would think
0: it would be a surprise. I mean, I suppose it would add to maybe, you know, so, some some thinking that her. And Seth being on the same show. Um, I guess that would kind of make sense for that. But in and also, I mean, you've done Becky Charlotte so much. You haven't done Becky Rhea, but she's also not necessarily ready to you have to have Charlotte, I guess, on, on a Summerslam match. So You haven't awesome. done you haven't done Becky and Nikki Ash versus Lass. Ash versus Lass, okay. Um hmm. Hmm. Damian Priest
1: versus Sheamus. We do not have non-title matches anymore. They are championship contenders matches. And Damian called Sheamus a bully. He's going to kick his ass tonight. Sheamus got his face mask knocked off and was freaking out. Um, they actually had a very good match here. The Reckoning got stopped with an Alabama Slam. Priest then bent the fingers to stop the Cloverleaf, which was a nice little spot, and then delivered up kicks and a flying knee catches Priest. Big near fall. They had a series of them, and then Priest hit a head kick. Reckoning and won it in ten minutes and nine seconds. Uh, this was one where I thought like this furthers Damian Priest going for the U.S. title, and they had a really fun ten minute match that I look forward to the rematch between them.
0: It was a good match, good reception from from priest, from what I could tell watching the the product on screen. He feels like somebody that the audience is accepting as a leader of this mid card. Um, I just hate this thing that they're really going forward with now with like having to beat the champion in order to earn a title match. They're doing this across the board for every one of their champions, and it's just really strange. I get wanting to be economical. You only have so much TV time. You want to give to every single person. You want to put focus on the grudge and the builds. But to me, like wrestling is building anticipation for the first time. These two people touch. Okay. And, um, just by having a, (laughs) by having the match before the match that like, it's just a silly concept to me. That is not at all in the realm of sports. Like, in the realm of, of, of combat sports, these two people are going to face each other, and we find out who's the best. To do it like this, you're basically just saying, well, they're both about the same. This person just happens to be better on this particular night. And fuck, yeah, I know that's the cliche thing that they always say, but I, I don't, as a fan, I'm not paying to see who's better on that night. I want to see a definitive answer, who is the better person, period. So I, I just... I, I hate them doing all this. He's, this win puts Damien Priest into the conversation of challenging for the U.S. Championship.
1: Yeah, but you know what the biggest problem is I have with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page? I mean, they've built this up for so long. And you've had months and months and months. And at the end of this, you're going to give me one match. And anyone... Could lose on a given night. But what would happen if they had a best of 21 series? Because that would give you the definitive winner of a feud. You don't do one match way. You do as many as possible because I don't want an outcome.
0: I want an established pattern of victory. Pattern of victory. Okay. See, that's the other thing. If they establish that this is a best of X at least like every feud the, is best of X way. Always go into WWE tell us. programming. Well,
1: you're supposed to know this, that no one wins ends though? anything. Dude, AJ Styles and Omos are gonna have a million more matches with the Viking Raiders. Riddle and John Morrison are gonna wrestle into eternity. They, they nothing ever ends. AJ and Riddle have been feuding for since he got called up. Like they none of none of this ever ends. It just goes until it's a it's a war of attrition, until one of them gives up
0: or move moves on Jackson
1: Jackson Riker and Elias dude like it's never gonna end it will never end
0: well I mean again ultimately all this stuff is just here to fill tv time it feels and that's it's just not that uh, interesting to watch like, I agree it was a good match, you know? This was the first time we saw it. Are we going to feel the same way f- uh, for the fifth time? We <laughs> well, see this is the first time. This is the first time, and Sheamus has had a very good year. I think
1: he's had he some has. really fun yeah. television matches. This has been one of his better years uh, of the 12 that we have seen him in on the main roster. Yeah. yeah. AJ Styles and Omos versus the Viking Raiders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. For whatever reason, we got a lot of... Um, Still shots of like WrestleMania this year. There were several of them, including AJ and Omos winning the belts back at WrestleMania. Um, It was a strong start by the Viking Raiders. At one point they hit the Viking experience on AJ, but Omos yanked Eric out. I thought they were more strategic with the utilization of Omos this week. They didn't have him sell, which was the worst part of last week. Eric drilled AJ with a knee. AJ was awesome in this match. Um, He goes for the phenomenal forearm, And Ivar cartwheels to avoid it. And then Ivar uh, gets kicked away by Omos into the guardrail. AJ's left with Eric, hits a Pele kick. Omos comes in, a tree slam that Graves says will liquefy your organs. And he makes the tag to AJ, who wins with a springboard 450 in 9 minutes and 31 seconds. The crowd all like cheered for AJ and Omos. AJ worked this whole match as a babyface and he looked great.
0: Yeah, yeah he did. He he always looks great. It's it's just um and we know why that that this is the reason why he's in this team with Omos to make up for the limitations that Omos has. So um it's you know it's it, I thought Omos though did good in his role tonight. He was there to look mean and he was there to look big. And he did a good job of looking mean and looking big. And uh it's just the concept of the team though. You know, Omos is the guy with the credibility. AJ is the guy to get to take the bumps to get beaten up. Um It's hard for me to believe it, but you know what? Maybe they're they're definitely not, you know, targeting this towards me. And this seems to close out the Viking Raiders feud. So what is it? Did the Viking Raiders beat them last time?
1: no no they uh what, what how did happened? they
0: earn this title shot who, who, how oh, many they, times? they
1: had the, they had the six man tag last week and they pinned i think it was morrison took the fall last week they won the six man with riddle last week
0: ah okay morrison took the fall got it i believe so
1: um then we got the. this was one of the best promos i've heard in a long time it's like a dark room with a light coming down and he raises his arm up doing like his entrance pose and just slowly tilts his head up towards the camera and says, At Money in the Bank, everyone got to see me shine because I've been here and I've been going through that glass ceiling. But everybody is going to know the name of Ricochet because I might not have cashed in at Money in the Bank, but I'm going to strike gold here on Raw It's a new day for Ricochet, and no one's going to forget what I did last weekend. This was a great follow-up because he had this unbelievable performance, and they didn't put him on TV last week, but tonight they really made up for it. And we have a future star here in Ricochet that is setting his sights on big things. I don't know where, but this established him as a player to keep your eye on, and you don't know who he's going to get involved with, but it's going to be big come SummerSlam.
0: Did you just make up a Ricochet promo?
1: None of this happened. Ricochet was not on tonight.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. That's like a really good Ricochet promo. Holy
1: shit. I'm like, how has this guy not been on TV since Money in the Bank, dude? He I'm was like the notes, star of I'm the like, whole
0: show. I'm checking my notes. I'm like, shit, did I like skip up through this whole thing? Fuck. That's that's a really good Ricochet promo. Um, Look, not a peep. This guy was
1: literally, if you had to isolate the star of that pay-per-view, it was Ricochet to me
0: yeah i agree nothing well clearly they have no plans for him for SummerSlam. i think that's the issue what a message that is like how
1: how many of those messages do you get oh. sent that it just it beats you you know how i of- sees
0: him he is the guy, the high flyer you could depend on for a big spot or two he's what kofi kingston was years ago for like a money in the bank or like a royal rumble spot You hear from him for, for a month maybe leading up to those matches, but then afterwards, nothing.
1: Instead, Drew McIntyre came out, followed by Jinder Mahal with Veer and Jinder's lawyer. And they want Drew to apologize for what he did to Shanky last week, who is gone, and he will be sued for everything. Drew is not going to be intimidated by this. He surveys the crowd, and he has decided he's going to beat Veer within an inch of his life. Which is a, a hell of a way to uh counter a lawsuit and wants everyone to chant Drew is going to kill you.
0: hmm Yeah. Which lawyer performance did you prefer? This or Mark Sterling?
1: You know, I didn't see the Game Changer show on Sunday, so I did not see Mark Sterling's performance, but that was like the main event angle on the show to set up their their war games for uh for all out weekend
0: in Chicago. Yeah, and they're calling it war games, so it was war games uh, like I was surprised that they can use war games. Like that's, or is it just one of those, like... Uh, I think we'll they're calling it, it the, we the... Well,
1: they're calling it, I think, the art of war games. But nonetheless, like, it's war games. Like, that's the the words being used. I was surprised.
0: The art of war games. Okay. So you can throw words in front of it, and it makes it completely different. So I can call my, my, my uh, drink, you know... Cool Coke. Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that yeah. would fly. I Cool doubt Coke. Cool Pepsi. Or dumb Starbucks.
1: Um, I don't think any of that would, would, would fly. Um and nor did this uh this performance by Veer. Um this this veered into um difficult territory. Uh Drew was Drew was fine here. Veer just felt like this was um he just felt off um working off of Drew here. Jinder is ringside with a chair. Um, There was this awkward setup when Drew was going for the belly to belly, just Veer kind of getting into position for it. Drew does the kip up, and then Jinder passes the chair to Veer. Drew hits the claymore into the chair, hitting Veer, and Drew is the one that gets disqualified at 351. I thought Veer got disqualified. I think they said that Veer won by DQ, I thought.
0: Oh, okay, because didn't Drew's music play?
1: Okay, I will. I thought that they had said Veer won by DQ. Okay,
0: I'll I'll double check.
1: Okay, you double check because I I could be wrong. God knows I'll hear about it. Um, and Drew, then Drew beat Veer. Drew beat Veer. Okay, yeah, so by Veer. DQ. Okay, so but then even Drew, so, okay, like, yeah, well, it's 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 sense. awfully confusing because I mean, at what
0: point Veer brought Veer was Veer had the weapon. Totally, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he brought the weapon in. Okay, fine, granted. But like we've established that you. Knocking something into somebody else does not denote a disqualification, especially for that person, right? Like, if any of our, Rob Van Dam's opponents picked up a chair and RVD happened to kick them in the head with the chair, then he would win the match? He would win every one of those matches because of DQ? Well, ECW just threw out DQs. Okay, whatever, anywhere, you know? Like... It's whatever. Like, we're probably the only people asking this sort of The
1: the conclusion way is that we're getting Drew McIntyre and Veer again.
0: Probably next Monday. Oh, yes. Nice. Okay, well, then justified. Break those rules. You gotta, like, you know, you gotta protect these matches. So the lawyer was
1: left there, and Drew killed him with a claymore so that the announcers could say, Court is adjourned. Case closed. Yes. Nice. Eva Marie was with Dewdrop, and we had to replay the awful segment from the playground last week. And Eva says that the evolution won't be stopped as long as Dewdrop holds up her end. And they were teaming up to take on the tag champions, Natalia and Tamina. And this match, unfortunately, had an injury in the midst of it. Natalia was in with Dewdrop and kind of rolled through into this crucifix. And I rewatched it. I don't know what the exact moment was, but she came up and couldn't put any weight on her right leg mm-hmm. and had to just hobble over, tag Tamina, who had to just do the rest of the match as Natalia went down to the floor. And Tamina worked with Dewdrop. Uh, Eva tags in to get the cover after she was dropped. And then a video appears where Alexa did a parody of Eva Marie's videos called Lily Lucian, trying to inspire others to follow their nightmares. And holy Christ, Tamina super kicks Eva because of the distraction from the video. I too would have been uh, frozen in time watching this thing. And Tamina pins her in 314. And then you saw like the trainer and Tamina helping Natalia to the back. So hopefully um it's not too serious of an injury for Natalia, but I mean she wasn't able to put any weight on on her
0: right leg. Mhm. Yeah, it's rare you see them have like a trainer carry somebody to the back and uh I don't know if that if that if that's a sign of the severity of the injury or if it's just them kind of willing to show like the reality of what the situation is and you know, if that's the case then then great. Um, but you know, this was not a long match. She was not in there for a long time, but these injuries can happen at any moment. So we hope Natalia is all right, especially in the midst of this tag title run. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this Lily Lucian video, um, it's exactly on par with the type of, I don't know, stuff that you see from Alexa. Uh, it's scary without trying to be scary. It's more like, um, uh, it's, more... it's It's
1: scary in other ways.
0: Sure, I guess so. But it's more like uh, Halloween decoration scary than like horror movie scary. You know what I mean? It's about as scary as like a dude in like a I don't know cloth, white cloth. It's more comedy scary, I suppose. If if you even find it funny,
1: it's like cable um, access horror.
0: Cable access, yeah. So, well, you know, but I think they're doing a, a decent job here with, like, Eva Marie and Dewdrop establishing those two as, with their dynamic, and Eva Marie constantly kind of getting embarrassed. And, you know, as a result, um, Alexa gaining more babyface appeal, I suppose. It's uh, hard for me if- to say, because it's like, I it, this stuff does not connect with me at all but Dude, i also know it's alexa not
1: they did not respond to this at the pay-per-view like that that character was not over and the, the the stuff with Zelina vega like that fell very flat to i mean if you're looking at just one
0: sample size that fort worth crowd like was not there to see that stuff the hypnotized spot, hypnotizing spot yeah did, did not receive a good reaction but how is a crowd supposed to react to a hypnotizing spot yeah she's she's got mind control
1: i mean if it was something over uh they they would have reacted like if they sensed like this trance oh my god i mean there was nothing to it it was silence it was like i think it was more laying out someone
0: i think it was more confusion because like the audience didn't know what was going on especially far away how can you really kind of tell mind control in the back of the arena well it's also notable that
1: the like Shayna has been cut out of this program. Like the whole thing of her stomping on Lily. Like it seemed like this was Shayna's program, and now they've just pivoted to
0: Eva and Dewdrop. True. Yeah. Well, though, you know what? WrestleMania. Save it. Week two of Carrying Cross
1: at Raw took on Keith Lee. So this was a <laughs> someone's got to win. <laughs> Cross comes out with the they NXT They to the title. internet.
0: They, said they heard your complaints, everybody. You didn't like the booking of Karrion Cross. You didn't like the booking of Keith Lee. Here you go. You're going to like one of these, and you're going to hate the other. I thought for
1: sure Keith Lee was winning this. But um, Cross, they said, was furious after being humiliated last week. So that is the story. He was humiliated. Uh, Cro- cross is in control, and he puts on the Cross jacket, which Keith Lee breaks out of. Lee drills him with a clothesline, hit his uh, mini Judas effect, and then a shoulder tackle. He tries for the spirit bomb, is hit with the doomsday Saito, and then strike to the back of the head, reapplies the cross jacket with the hooks in. Keith fights it and fights it, and finally taps at 8 minutes and 50 seconds. So the rebuilding of and Cross began here.
0: This, this really was the bronze medal match. You know, you take the two losers and you put them in the third place match, and then this was one the of losers' it, bracket. Yeah, yeah, one of them comes up with a with a happy ending, I suppose.
1: Everyone wants to see
0: Bobby Lashley versus Jeff Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> the gold medal match. Uh good showcase, good match. You know, good strong showcase for Cross. This really should have been what it was last week. It's except, of course, you know, if you believe in Keith Lee's appeal as a star at all. It's really just too bad that this win had to come at the expense of Keith Lee in his second week back, so um
1: you know nothing but not- but you know what we're going to hear now for 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 years after the fact is going to be, yeah, well, everyone totally shit on- carrying Cross's debut, they have no idea what we had planned for week two with Jeff Hardy, everyone we had the greatest idea, and Jeff Hardy. Couldn't couldn't make it. He couldn't make it. We we had the angle of all angles.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's coming up on a, something to wrestle with, Karrion cross episode in the future. Yes, to be determined. Um, yeah, you know, it's like they can book Keith Lee like this. And again, everybody, it's only two weeks in. The like the moment they decide to go with Keith Lee, the audience will go with it because the audience sees the talent that's there. We're about to talk about the WrestleMania 28 with, like, Daniel Bryan and Seamus, and they could book Daniel Bryan however they want. In the end, the audience is still going to choose him. I mean, you can, they could have booked him to Oblivion, but um, I think Keith Lee is fine. Is there, not.
1: There, it's a fine line. Like, there is, I think, like, there is, uh, there's rope that the audience gives you. There is also that point, and I think Ricochet is certainly indicative of that. That, like, I don't know how much it will take that the audience is not going to believe that this performer can get past a certain level like they have made that over the last i would say 15 years they have drummed that into their audience that like there is a small window that the fans will be open minded about this person can make it but once they are kind of slotted in that role i i think you you have to work extremely hard to break down that perception
0: true yeah i mean do you think that there is a title run in Keith Lee's future, if you had to judge.
1: Oh, top title. Um, I, I don't. He, he's not at the point of no return. He's definitely not there yet. Yeah. But, but like, I think it's 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 a shorter amount of time than maybe it was ten years ago that you can still light someone up and and go
0: all the way with. So, but the th- the fact that they 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 are willing to have him lose two weeks in a row, coming off of a six month absence tells me that that is not how Vince sees this guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, his call up was not successful. I mean, he came up and has just, you know, he was not handled very good before the disappearance and, you know, there two weeks good in moments, he, he had some, but it was not like a consistent straight line. Right. Uh, Schreiber was with Nikki Ash and she gives another, uh, raw, raw speech. Ripley walks in, respects her unconditional belief, but at SummerSlam, she'll leave with the title. And um, we had this exact same
0: conversation for 20 minutes at the start of the show. There was a lot of them backstage. And you know what? Like maybe not so bad when you're trying to establish a new person in, in Nikki Cross. T bar and mace. Lions eat antelopes,
1: and snakes and rats, and wolves, they eat sheep. Donovan Dijak on TV had to follow the line about sheep with bah.
0: (laughs) He did. Yeah. You didn't make that one up. That actually happened.
1: The laws of the jungle are pretty simple to me. The small them exist to feed the larger. That's us. Mansoor and Ali will find out the ring is our jungle and their little team exists to be devoured by us.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. Dude, uh,
1: all credit to these two for getting this out.
0: It's a paycheck, man. Come on. Do this or like... uh, (laughs) Um, I don't know. Whatever. It's like the animals seem to be their thing, right? They cut promos about animals. Great. They're like, Uh, shouldn't they dress up as animals? Like, Shouldn't they be zoologists? Sure. Like, they're mace and t-bar. They're weapons you know they should be like moose well I guess there's already a moose there's rhinos
1: um, yeah, Impact mm. ha, kind of has the animals on lock don't they yeah New Japan has the tigers oh yeah, the, yeah and the dragons
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: bears are in AEW um, the cats were you know an an era before in WWF
0: and WCW what else are left Sheep? You've had that too. The, well, sheep, dogs. The sheep herders. Well, sheep herders. Okay. What am I thinking of? A band. Sheep, dogs. Whatever.
1: They might be out of animals. They might be extinct. Yeah. Okay. So, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, they had Ali selling and then made the big comeback, tagged in Mansoor, who ran wild. Ali did a dive into a DDT to T-bar on the floor. And then Mace was holding on to Ali on the apron as Mansoor kicked his grip, forcing Ali to fall to the ground. But then Mansoor got the roll up on Mace and pinned him in three minutes and 12 seconds. Ali was stunned that they won a match. And Ali and Mansoor could be, you know, a entertaining team together. They probably won't get very far, but why not? They're two very underutilized performers.
0: I actually enjoyed this. I thought they did a good job of telling the story that they sought out to tell. With, I mean, yes, it is a reluctant team cliche, but I actually found these two fun to watch because you see Ali's realization in the middle of the match that hey, like we're actually a good team, or like we actually might have something in here, or maybe it was more him looking at Monsters thinking, oh, this guy actually doesn't need to be taught. Um, he's actually teaching me things. I don't know. There's something fun to watch about them together with their surprising chemistry and in ring, of course, both of them. Well, Ali is fantastic. Monzo, I think is more than capable. And I actually thought Mason T bar played their roles really effectively here as these big guys there to make these two look good.
1: Yes. Monstafa is one and all.
0: Monstafa. Okay. Sure.
1: Lashley and MVP came out and MVP instantly got heat by comparing Lashley to Tom Brady. And the Kansas City crowd did not appreciate that. There was a Goldberg chant, but not overwhelming. Lashley will not dignify Goldberg's challenge with a response. So it's challenge season and delayed uh, acceptance season. Got a lot of TVs to book. So we got to ride out these challenges.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, Cedric Alexander came out. He is upset about being excommunicated from the hurt business. He still doesn't know why they broke up, which makes everybody um, subscribing to that same question. He says, Lashley knew that I was better. (laughs) Yes. Bobby Lashley was worried that Cedric Alexander was better. And then he referred to himself as prime Alexander and was doing his screaming promo. Shelton comes out saying how annoying Cedric's voice is. I'm not crying about the Hurt Business, but I too want to challenge Lashley. So Lashley said, I'll face both of you. So after all these months, we got Lashley versus Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. The two tried to work over Lashley, who just destroyed these two, and (laughs) hit a spear, a jackhammer, and then dropped Cedric on top of Shelton and double pinned them in two minutes
0: and 43 seconds. You know, I'm sorry for these two, but they really lose nothing from this. They were bottom-rung guys by this point anyway, and not even being used on TV. So, again, like... Lashley's
1: being built for a big match. These guys were cannon fodder. That's their role on the show.
0: We are feeding people to Lashley to make him the biggest guy on this show, and I thought this was effective. It was a great performance, actually, from all three of them, because Lashley looked like a monster here.
1: And Goldberg's scheduled for next week's show, so I would imagine you set up the make the match official next week, which they'll be in Chicago. That should be a pretty hot crowd. And then he's also on the go home show. So next week makes the sense to make the match official.
0: Oh, do we get CM Punk chains?
1: Ooh, definitely. You have wow. to imagine that's going to happen next week. And they, they should
0: be prepared for that. That's an excellent point. Hit that. Got to hit that button. They've got, they've got a big
1: crowd in Chicago next week. They will absolutely have punk chance next week.
0: They're not saying CM Punk. They're saying uh, uh, GM's sucks. Stunk.
1: The Miz and Morrison are backstage. AJ and Omos walk up. They all have a huddle together. And then Miz and Morrison come up. And for whatever reason, they decided to show a photo of them as SmackDown Tag Champions from November of 2007. There was no better way to age these two more than showing a 14-year-old picture. Yeah, I'm not really sure
0: what the point of of these are. They're like throwing,
1: dude, make make them feel old. Like this is these two do not come across as old, but by showing this, it's glaring to your audience that my god, like, dude, Miz has been on WWE TV consistently since 2005. Morrison at least had the break, but Miz has pretty much not gone away for 16 years.
0: A little, yeah, but they just seem to have very little to do with anything. Usually, if they go to like picture in picture, it's like I don't know. It's like okay, this we're we're doing uh, money in the bank. Here's them winning money in the bank or participating in the prior money in the bank match. Now they're just throwing like, here's them. Here's a nice photo of them from five years ago. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Can you,
1: can you imagine on this this episode of SmackDown in two thousand seven? The next guy came out and said, "Hey, here's this guy who was wrestling for us in nineteen ninety three. Here's a photo of him." <laughs> John Morrison versus Riddle. Um, nice match here. They went nine minutes, 55 seconds. Um, Miz came out, and dude, the new thing is it used to be Big E and the New Day throwing their gear at Corey Graves. Now it's Miz squirting Byron Saxton, but s- like un- these dripsticks have an enormous capacity of water because he unloaded a miniature pool on Byron Saxton. And I will guarantee you, this guy did not know it was coming the first time they did this to him. And now it's just gonna be the bit that this dude gets absolutely soaking wet every week on TV.
0: Oh my god, I'm sure Vince loves this shit.
1: <laughs> he doesn't have a spare clothes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take all the towels away from the dressing room. Oh, dude. Fuck.
1: It's like it's how pretty old awful. You?
0: Yeah. It's
1: like th- this dude turned like 15 and it's like I, I love this age i'm staying 15 forever yeah
0: well listen it's all setting up the byron saxton heel gm run that i'm sure we'll get could happen
1: um riddle did his floating bro to the floor aj and omos came out and riddle got distracted when aj and omos grabbed the scooter omos broke the scooter over his knee and riddle yells why And Morrison spun Riddle off his shoulders into a Uranagi, followed by a starship pain, and won in 955. Um, Another really nice match on the show. These two uh, work very, very well together.
0: Yeah, both of these two have been, you know, along with, like, Ricochet last month, maybe Seamus you throw in there, have been sort of like the raw, like, workhorses in... Morrison especially, I think he's been very consistent here in Ring. Big win for him finally, even if it comes off of a cheating victory. But uh it doesn't seem like that's the program you're going with. It seems like now we are going to go into a tag program.
1: Yeah, because AJ came in and beat down Riddle, hit the styles clash, and it would seem like it's time for Randy Orton to come back. Like I I think like that's that should be
0: imminent. Crowd was chanting it.
1: Yeah, they were expecting it. So I think like that. Appears to be the tag program. We got an actual. Sanctioned match. For the 24-7 belt. Complete with Reginald entrance. Where he comes out. And does backflips On his way out. Like he's a uh, ninja Mac. And then as he's coming down to the ring. They cut to this low angle shot. Where he flips from the floor. Up over the ropes into the ring it's and it's the, clear.
0: It's the Sin Cara entrance.
1: Yeah. Where they've totally hidden the, the trampoline, the trampoline. It looks awesome. I it think that, great. I thought it looked so cool the way they shot this. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like this dude just powers off the floor into the ring. It looked really cool. I thought. Yeah. Um, and then our truth is miked for the match. Um, Jerry Lawler, he was not doing this. Um, It went a minute 27. Um, Reginald did this running cannonball and pinned him. And then the 24-7 geeks ran out. And this time he did this crazy flip over the top, landing on his feet on the floor, and then did a million backflips down the ramp to the back.
0: Yeah, I actually thought this was a lot of fun. We haven't seen the 24-7 division or the title for a long, long time. And evidently, it's probably because they didn't have any good ideas, fresh ideas, to really reintroduce it. And they do now with Reginald holding it as this very evasive guy, which you can, you know, it makes perfect sense for him to be able to showcase his agility as he's running away from all these 24-7 division geeks. And I actually thought the segment was some of the most fun I've seen from the 24-7 division, maybe in of. I don't. I can't even tell you the last time I thought that division was fun at all. But this is something novel and unique, and the guy does some very impressive flips.
1: I think Reginald is fun to watch. I wouldn't say the 24-7 concept is really adding to this. I'm laughing because I saw your poll results for the
0: fake crowd noise, so it sounds uh, near unanimous. Like 90% people who, who think, but it's not scientific, everybody.
1: It is. Uh, Sarah Schreiber interviewed Flair and... She said Nikki only won because Ripley assaulted her again, just rehashing the opening promo in a bite-sized version. Nikki Ash versus Charlotte Flair. So throughout this character, we have kind of gone back and forth between Nikki A-S-H and Nikki Ash. Clearly, there is a directive that it is A-S-H because the announcers had to say Nikki A-S-H about eight times in the first minute of this match.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: And it sounds so unnatural in just commentary. Nikki ASH is here to prove that she can overcome her fears of failure because Nikki ASH cashed in last week and Nikki ASH is our Raw Women's Champion as Nikki ASH is taking on Charlotte Flair now.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to get used to that. Um okay, I guess they want to emph- emphasize the acronym. Is that Clearly, it? Clearly, yes. Oh, Can't God. just be Nikki. They had to constantly call her Nikki
1: Ash. It's just such a mouthful. Um, sh- Charlotte tried to remove Nikki's mask. I don't think the mask
0: is because she's disguising her identity or anything. So I don't know what powers this takes. Well, no. She says Nikki says putting on the costume gives her confidence. All right, whatever. She's taking away her confidence. Flair's in control.
1: Nikki gets thrown. Around. I'm sorry. I, uh, I can't. I couldn't take that seriously at all. Like, everyone knows who she is. I don't like she still has the whole rest of her outfit. Know, Doesn't that count for something? Uh, we go through the commercial break. Flair gets her leg snapped on the top rope, stops the sunset flip. But Nikki hits the bulldog. They trade chops and then cross once again goes for her high cross, which is how she won last week. But this time Flair reverses it and pins her in 1235. Yay for the underdog. She loses, and the announcers state, this must have destroyed Nikki's confidence, and there is Kevin Patrick sprinting into the ring. I thought for sure he was going for Nikki to interview her about failing on such a big stage, but instead, he interviews Charlotte, who says, what did you expect? No one is in my league. She says, Nikki, Nikki then says, Charlotte, I'm almost a superhero. Which I guess means I'm going to lose a lot of times too. But I showed I almost could have won. And I have the confidence that I can beat you. And I want a rematch next week. Charlotte accepts. And then nails Nikki. And beats the hell out of her. Including right in front of a fan who's holding up her Nikki Ash sign. As Charlotte beats the hell out of her. And that's how we go off the air.
0: Mm -hmm. If
1: if this Nikki Ash character actually does have some crowd engagement behind it, this kind of stuff will stomp the life out of it. Because they will clearly see that I'm not even getting on this bandwagon. It is not worth the ride because it's going to be over very quickly.
0: Because she lost?
1: Because she was just portrayed here as so ineffective. I don't think that this is the... Like, Nikki is still in the establishment phase. You're still just getting this character across as a viable threat. And to just do this in such a way, I don't think this is really building a whole lot of heat on Charlotte. I think it's just kind of... To do
0: what? To have her get laid out or for her to lose? I think the combination of all of it. Right. Okay. Well, I was not for her getting the championship. I don't think she's ready. Um, And I, I just... The story itself, I think, is is fine because you're trying to portray somebody who is very much an underdog who believes in herself and, you know, almost comes very close to achieving the goal but doesn't. And that's, I think, a great story for somebody who is not yet a champion. The moment you put the belt on somebody, I think it totally diminishes the value of that championship to have them constantly lose, to have them almost make it. Um, it's just simply not what a championship, I think, should represent. However, it is a Money in the Bank championship reign, and we now kind of have to like recognize these title reigns as like, okay, is this a legitimate championship reign, or is it a Money in the Bank backdoor championship reign? Or we're kind of conditioned to just like look at them all as paper champions, like The Miz was last year, and like Nikki is being booked this year to be. She's clearly not the most dominant person in the division. She's not even, you know, it's clearly not the most over person in the division. She's not the most competitive person in the division she is almost i suppose the the almost the, that person and uh it's just going to you know make the championship to me feel like it's more of a possession like it like it's more of a infinity stone you know a macguffin rather than a symbol of this person actually being the best but as a story i think it's it, it it made sense you know like she is supposed to be the underdog who's not in charlotte's league but she will continue to work to get there and i think you know having her being laid out i mean that's that's heat right that's, that's heat but i think it would have been much more effective if it was nikki that has
1: somehow got charlotte's number and has driven her to that instead like she lost clean like there was no controversy there was no like charlotte mm-hmm. said i'm better than you she proved she was better than her and then still beat her down as well. Like to me, there is a line of where you're rooting for the baby face to overcome. And when the baby face is just so inferior that you just don't have faith in that baby face any longer.
0: Unless you have unless the baby face has done a decent enough job of establishing your sympathy that you feel bad for her in this situation. Want want to see her get revenge. And again, it's I, 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 I
1: wasn't left with that. She she lost
0: well you weren't, but this crowd reacted. I mean again, it's really hard to tell with this crowd, but they were reacting I think the way that they're intending.
1: Well maybe by the end of this whole thing she'll be um Big Sexy's Irish relative where she is not a superhero.
0: Not a superhero. <laughs>
1: maybe that is what the I mean those are the initials
0: Nikki Ash, N E S H
1: Well. Anyway, there you go. That was raw.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of focus on Nikki Ash and I, I, I do have to commend them for putting giving the amount of airtime to a brand new project and seemingly committing to it, despite she the She
1: was she was like this huh? she was the show was written around
0: Nikki Ash tonight. Like they like she was bookending the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh whether or not it was successful, I mean it sounded like it was successful. And again, I had to I hate to put that doubt there, but like I am somewhat suspicious because it it is not it's not connecting that way to me at all. I just think it's so corny and it's been, uh, it's been around so briefly that it just doesn't seem to fit the audience's taste for what they're cheering for on the rest of these shows. So I don't know for me, the jury's still out, but um, we'll see what you it's, guys thought.
1: It, it has a real feel to me of like a family friendlier version or, or a less offensive, I should say version of Eugene that was this character that they built up And Eugene was, like, winning matches, but ultimately it was a short run that they got because he ran into a brick wall of Triple H, also at SummerSlam. Hmm. Right. But we'll see where they go. Um, Let's go to the forum, forum forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight, you rank this show on a scale of 1 to 10 with a 4.62.
0: Shall we start off with MJ from NJ, John? Let's. All right, MJ says, giving it a shot again with crowds back as Mondays I like to work late. And again, Raw is always easy passive viewing. I'll give Nikki her due for a nice babyface promo and her genuine excitement to kick off Raw came through. She needs to be put over at SummerSlam. This, this run is going to elevate her. A loss would make it a joke, I feel. I deemed it unwatchable after the stretch of Drew and women's tags and got ready to flip it off. But then the rematch I didn't know I was waiting for. Literally because I did not see it advertised until the up next Keith, until, until the NXT promo, I guess these uh, Keith Lee and Karrion Cross these two headlined NXT triple X in Lee's last NXT match when Cross won the title. Pretty noteworthy story. Was tonight's rematch unannounced? Yes, it was. Unless they announced it earlier in the day. I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, he's and of course true to fifty-fifty booking cross one, and yeah, he's got some uh, BTE feedback. I haven't watched it yet. Have you, John? I have not. No. Okay. Well, he's I,
1: I haven't watched Being the Elite in a long time.
0: Yeah, same here. He says can't wait for Hangman's gear reveal on Wednesday. For those who missed it, Dark Order returned to BTE, via blackmailing Brandon Cutler and gifted Hangman gear. I feel it will be something of a Brody Lee tribute. Also, Andrade confronting Death Triangle on Dark Elevation was cool. Can't wait to see where that goes, and the ancillary content is full of Easter eggs for those opting to check them out. Okay.
1: Next up, we go to Dan, who wrote, uh, I know WWE loves to give sound bites about how they're not a wrestling company, and after Raw tonight, I sure as shit can confirm they're not an entertainment company either. As always, there was some okay wrestling as filler, but as someone that wants WWE to give me entertainment, there's barely anything to enjoy on the entertainment side of things. I have to hang out with irritating characters like Nikki Ash, who's like an awful school assembly motivational speaker that just won't leave the gym. Nikki's dilemma personifies what makes Raw so frustrating. I like Nikki as a person and want her to succeed, but her character is a pathetic doofus that doesn't even have the common courtesy of being funny or interesting. That's par for the course on Raw. And says that... I love the GCW post review. On that note, have you guys caught the new HBO Woodstock 99 documentary? I have. Way has not. Uh, when Way gets around to watching it, uh, we'll we'll share our thoughts on it. What, I, is there like
0: a, a comparison to be made between GCW and Woodstock?
1: Um, yeah, he did say on that note. Um, I don't know if there is a, a combination there. I mean, there are... If you want to uh, look at the, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm trying to see where he's uh, <laughs> connecting it. Did, did we talk about the the documentary at all on the show, or was that afterwards? That was after. Okay, it was after. So I didn't even mention it on there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the Woodstock documentary. It's it's horrifying, but it is um,
0: it's okay. it it's a really. Interesting documentary. It seems uh, a lot of buzz attached. Yeah, to I've heard a lot about it. And I, obviously I remember that Woodstock pretty well. So yeah, I look forward to it. we got an or from Vaughn who says, I showed myself I could almost, ha- <laughs> I showed myself I almost could have won. Has yeah. to be, has to be the line of the year. I legit laughed out loud when Nikki tried to cut an inspirational promo after getting her ass kicked. Also, what on earth were they thinking booking Lee versus Cross? Because either way it would have made someone look super weak two weeks in a row. Really excited for Fight for the Fallen on Wednesday. FTR versus Antenna and Ortiz could be the best tag match of the year if they get a decent amount of time.
1: I I don't agree with the fact that just, you know, winner and a loser means the the loser is just destroyed. I mean, there is there is an art to doing it that it that should not be the case. And it, it is something that um you know, I I think for this week I think you kind of have to temper the cross stuff that it was obviously this was an audible and they had to find something to do with cross. And I mean, well, he Keith won. Um, I mean, who else? I mean, you could certainly uh, have your pick. It's Ricochet. Okay. And people would have been upset about it being Ricochet too, coming off like Money in the Bank. All right. So. Uh,
0: Humberto Carrillo, Angel could've, Garza.
1: Yeah. Could have been either of them. They. Obviously, didn't see them as at, at a certain level that it was big enough. Yeah, I guess. Like I, I think you look at Keith Lee. Like I, I don't think they have like grand plans for him. That's it's, what you're left with.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: he was that guy. tenise writes. Uh, so you have fans back in attendance, hot and ready to cheer for anything, and you start the show with a 20 minute opening. WWE is back. It is what it is with Omos. At least he's good with basics. They should never deviate from the hot tag formula with him. Why in the world would Drew want a feud with Jinder? I know they're friends, but not everyone is a star. Cross may, not, may have won, but the damage has been done. He's nothing special. Who would have thought Shane Taylor would be in a better standing in a wrestling company than Keith Lee? Lashley rules, and in a perfect world, he should kill Goldberg at SummerSlam. Would complain about Charlotte being Nikki, but it doesn't matter because the end game is her getting the title back. This was a mediocre Raw.
0: Okay, Anthony just wants to wish Natalya to well after that apparent leg injury tonight. Nobody ever wants to see a wrestler get hurt, especially when they're given some kind of push. We agree. Uh, finally, we got a Kate from Montreal who says, Of all the people they could have picked to have Karrion Cross pinned for his first big roster win, I think Keith Lee would have been the actual last person on my list. In fact, tonight seemed dominated by people who couldn't take another loss. Mansour, Mustafa Ali... T-Bar, May, Cedric Shelton, and even Nikki since all her wins have been so weak. Crowds like Riddle, which make him, which makes him pretty much the lone success story among the newer stars with the amount of talent on screen tonight. I feel like it took more work to make a bad show than it would have to make a good one. Didn't it seem like Raw was improving for a couple of weeks not so long ago? Not anymore, I guess. Two nasty dripsticks sticks out of 10. Well, um Money in the Bank provided like a good framework for a lot of the matches to build towards, uh, SummerSlam does too. But when you're dealing with like, I guess, individual, um, matches, um, you're going to get maybe a lot more rematches, less qualifying matches, perhaps.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think like Money in the bank was like a really great show for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I mean, you, you, I think, like, an overarching issue is that in WWE, it's it's maybe, like, the good and bad of what WWE has. Like, I don't believe, like, one loss is going to absolutely destroy someone because wins and losses are so trivial in the grand scheme of WWE storytelling because everyone's wins, everyone loses. And therefore, you have so few talents that really break through to that next level and to do so it takes like this herculean effort that you get with a roman reigns or a bobby lashley and pretty much everyone else is at a different level like even you look you're you're picking a riddle as somebody that agreed he is like on the 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 more positive side on raw but still to me a golf from what you would say as being like the top baby face you could build this, this whole show around. And like the difficult part of that is that, okay, losses aren't treated as seriously as they were of another era, but neither are wins. So it's not even like a win is indicative of somebody ascending a level. Like it is pounding it into your head that we are getting behind this person. And it's just, it's very difficult. Like wins and losses should be a device that you get this key win and it's viewed as this big thing. And that's reserved for only the most extreme examples, like winning a championship money in the bank. That I think that's been watered down somewhat, but that still is a sign to your audience that you're, you're getting behind someone. So it takes like these extreme efforts to really get your audience on board with, with a new character that you should be invested in. Because I think for the most part, they're not invested in a whole lot they're, because there's not a whole lot of reason given towards it.
0: Yeah, true. I mean, the people that you want to cheer for, um, they clearly tell you they're not worth cheering. So, um, you know, sometimes they'll, there will be people that'll break through that'll kind of match the audience's maybe cravings with their own. So. As
1: long as those stars can show themselves that they are, Almost could have won. That's what <laughs> you're looking for. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show. A lot of news that we went through tonight, and a lot on tonight's episode of Raw. So, I want everyone to uh, all go to sleep tonight and think of ways MacBook, and hopefully, it makes a miraculous return. We're going to get through these these choppy waters of a uh, MacBook life. I'm not going to say that a PC is the better way to go, but here we are.
0: I will. Yeah. PC. A PC is the better way to go. I'm just Especially gonna... when you're trying to repair the shit, because, yeah. The
1: secret to a PC is that when you get it, don't, don't transport it anywhere. Set it up in your, your home office, and don't, don't go anywhere with it. <laughs> that was my biggest problem. I traveled <laughs> with this thing, and I went through these things once every two years. I got this thing. I've been home for two years now. And it's working great.
0: Right. So the secret to a travel sized laptop computer is to Don't never
1: travel. travel. Don't travel.
0: Get a PC during a pandemic. It's a great investment. Shouldn't shouldn't that be a philosophy for life? Oh, you don't want to get sick? Don't do anything. Yes. Stay at home.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I'll try with the next one, I guess.
1: Delta variant isn't getting through these windows.
0: Hmm you're Pretty right
1: good all right let's gonna wrap this up we'll be back tuesday night with rewind away number 91 we're already at 91 way exciting stuff yeah 100 coming up yep
0: the year the blue jays hosted the all-star game at the skydome oh some big ones speaking yeah. of which a, a blue jay won the mvp at the all-star game right that year no this year it was am i am i wrong am i totally no, wrong?
1: i have no idea. You could be right. You could be totally right. I have no idea. Um, that's it. We're gonna sign off. And way.
0: Oh, I'm I'm totally wrong. Never mind.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Did a Blue Jay win anything?
0: Maybe I'm right. Yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh, okay. He's the MVP. He was the MVP. All right. Well, you were right.
1: I'm so right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an just, expert. We ju- we just tied in 30 years of All Star games together.
0: Like we had intended in the script. Exactly. This entire podcast. End scene. Good night.